G'day guys, welcome back to Dylan Friends. It's an exciting time for footy fans with season 2021 starting to pop up on the horizon. One of the most asked questions I get from my days at Princess Park, apart from taking lids to the square, is what is Cripper like? Well, if you've ever wondered what the great man is like as a person beyond the field, then hopefully you'll get a deeper understanding from this chat. Cripper is one of the most dominant players in the AFL. He's always looking for ways to get better, and that pursuit for improvement doesn't end in the footy arena. As well as being a co-captain at Carlton, he's currently wrapping up his studies in agriculture business. He's also looking at chasing down a psych degree to stack that on top. He's an avid reader and has an intense interest in ideologies around mindset, leadership and mindfulness. But at the end of the day, he's just a genuinely good bloke that loves a beer and is a serious operator. I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did and you get to know the great Paddy Cripps a little bit better. But before we get into it, thanks so much to these legends for their ongoing love and support as Patreon IllyXX members. Annie Boyd and Jody Windsor. To join our best friends community, visit www.patreon.com forward slash Dylan Friends. The link will also be in the show notes. Check it out. Let's go. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Welcome to the Dylan Friends podcast. Many ways, I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. Tears, tears, strength. I'm like, I run. She's like, yeah. everyone runs. I'm like, but does everyone go to the Olympics? <laughs> They're sitting there meditating, going, oh my God, I think I'm meditating. How good is this? I'm meditating. It's like, I had a Wu Tang call. I was like, yo, Dylan, thanks for getting us in. Just love it's it. knuckle puck time. Yeah. It's like, it's like <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Patrick Cripps, welcome back to the Dylan Friends podcast. My friends, an honor, it's a pleasure. It's been about two years. Since you featured episode eight, long time ago, can you remember? I can. It was with with the doctor. Yes. Now nah, it's a pleasure being on the number one podcast in the <laughs> in the nation, Bucker Boy. We love that, Patrick, and we love your support. And we know you've been a big supporter of the show for a long time. So it's a pleasure to have you back. Um, and geez, mate, the the fans of the show, and should I say the fans of yours, have been crying out for this. They can't get enough. They want to know more, and I know they're excited for this. Yeah. Well. To be honest, Buck, I do listen to your podcast um, and I'm quite impressed with the following you got. I reckon you've done an amazing job. So, I just thought I'd pump your tires up the start. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm interested to um, yeah, have a chat with you and um, hopefully give a few interested people something uh, into the life of what I, what I do and um, yeah, see if they're interested or not. Mate, they are definitely interested and you're a busy man. Now, a lot of people, as we said before, a lot of people know you as a footballer, the captain of Carlton, but Nova Radio these days studying investing tiktok <laughs> what what Crypt- else is crypto mate crypto. <laughs> what else has been going on have I, have I summed it up or is there anything else we don't know about you at, at the present stage um no nah, that's that's pretty much it i yeah i like to keep busy um always just like i said before you yeah, um trying to find ways to grow us on field off field um currently studying agribusiness um which is basically ag science cross business um so i've I'll finish that um, by May. Um, so that's been really good. It's sort of something I've chipped away at as, a, as I've, as I've um, played footy. Um, yeah, and just other things like I enjoy investing. Um, I don't know a heap about it, but um, I did actually a bit of a work placement um, with, with Stu Kay. He works at a Scala Park and he's a great Carlton man. And um, yeah, he's been a really good um, sort of mentor for me um, recently over in the finance space. I really enjoyed that. I did that over the, over the summer. Um, yeah, then uh, the old uh, crypto that had definitely got a bit more publicity than I was uh, I was asking for. Uh, I was just trying to have a bit of fun with the misses and, and keep her happy. And all of a sudden, I'm playing golf and I'll get about hundred messages from mates back home saying, "I think you've got world hips, big fella." Yeah, that was horrific. That, I must say that was that was really bad. Um, mate, I want to go back to a few of the things probably where we left off last time. Okay, the show's changed now, but I want to go back because there's things that I've realised. Prior to your draft, okay, you're taking pick 13. The pick before you and the pick after you, I think was Giants and Richmond, have both played now in grand finals and yep. premierships. I don't want to start this on a negative note because it's not because there's there's a lot, to, a lot of time left. How does that sit with you now thinking, fuck, like if I went one before, one after, I could have been a premiership player per se? Yeah, it's sort of that... Um Oh, like, I don't know if you look at like a sliding doors moment, but like even the one before the rich one was Dom Shea, the Eagles. Um, and I would say he's probably hit the greatest goal of all time in the grand final. But I don't, I don't really look into that because um, I don't know you can look in hypotheticals all the time, but um, it's just 
I know it's not the way you're at at the moment. And um, I know I've always seen, although I've came to the club at a really difficult time, I really enjoyed the challenge of it. Um, not gonna lie, there's been some times where you you really probably times through. I know oh, probably all the years where you really. Um, I know you're just trying to find motivation and keep it going and um, especially 2018 when we was getting pumped every week when we won two games that really tested I suppose your mental sort of resolve but um, I think that's the beauty of, of where the group is at now we've sort of we've been through a lot of hard times um, and we've all tried to stick together and, and um, grow as a group and create a culture where everyone comes and they can be themselves and um, get better as a person as a player and I feel like now we're in a really strong position um, I suppose to really climb up the ladder and um, I don't have a lot of fun with the group we've sort of built around and um, yeah, I'm never one to, to, to actually go that path and um, I'm really excited sort of the next, I don't know, six to eight years of, of what we've created, um, where that will go and um, sort of like to think I'm coming into the years now where you're going to play your best footy at sort of 26 mm. to 30 and um, we've got a good mix of young and old now on the list. Uh, we've got a lot of young talent coming through, but about 21 to 23 that um, – really impressive and that they're taking the game to the next level next level then you got older guys like jonesy ed murph um even levi so you got a good mix of sort of age demographics so um yeah look it is what it is and um yeah you sort of want to create your own sort of sort of path now 100 percent, man and i think it means more not that it doesn't mean more getting it early but i think when you really have to fight for it it is a little bit sweeter um talking about that list sort of makeup now because it's something that I didn't really realize what a list was like until I went to the Giants and you, you can sort of compare. Yeah. And you look at where Carlton's at now and obviously, you know, my heart lies with, with Carlton and the Giants, but a special part of me is with, with Carlton. And you look at it, you know, you've got the good players now. You've got those young guys. But I think most importantly, the thing that I think made the Giants so good was still those really like gritty role players. Yeah. Even looking at Jacob Wiedering's um, being in speech the other night, he said to Jonesy, like, I wouldn't have won this without you. Now, that's very nice in itself. But in all seriousness, like, how important are those guys now? Like, Jonesy doesn't get the credit he deserves. I think I've spoken about him on the show before, but I remember when I was there, he signed a three-year deal playing as a forward. He could not get a game. They pretty much said to him, mate, go play back line, um, get out of the way because we've got Harry Mackay coming through and you're chewing up his space. He went back, ended up becoming like 10 best on grounds in a row playing fullback, half and half back, fought his way back into another three-year deal and now he's one of the most important players in the team. Like, it, it, it's one of the most underrated stories in football, I think, it's, like in present time. It's one of the best stories. Like, and if you actually get into explain the full detail of where he was at, where his mindset went and then where he is now and how he sort of bounced out of it, um, you can't help but smile. Um, but you also have such appreciation for the type of person he is to see where he is now and still, I know he's so great for everything. You know what his humor's like. He's one of the funniest guys going around, like quotes every movie, you know what I mean? Like walking around, just random movie quotes. Um, what I love about him, and it sort of goes back to my point before is um, he can go, he can be the nicest guy off the field, so funny and like just give time to everyone. But he turns on the footy. He's scary. He's scary. Like he's kamikaze. He's so courageous. And I, I love Weta's speech for that reason. And um like Weeders was unbelievable this year. Like if you actually, if you're a Carlton sport, you'd appreciate his year so much more. He was a, he was so good for us. Um, but I love how he said, you know, I couldn't do it without you. Mm. Um, and that's what team sports all about. You know what I mean? Like yeah, although Weeders had an awesome year, it's that it's having a team around you that that makes you better. And um, I suppose happy for each other's success. And I feel like we've got that right now. And I suppose back to Jonesy, how much we rate him internally. He won our MVB, which we we call our most valuable, sort of like our players player. Mm-hmm. So he actually won that this year, which we sort of, as a, as a club, we put that on the same sort of pedestal as, as the BNF. Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose that, like you said, the role players, like you look at someone like Ed Kerno, like just got such an appreciation for him and, um, and he just gets the job done every week, Lockie Plowman. And then you talk about the mix of sort of young and old, like you got a guy like Mark Murphy, um, who I know, obviously you know really well and he's an absolute legend of a bloke. But um, for someone like myself and Doc going through the leadership journey and having him to bounce off and then even this year to see his leadership throughout the connecting young guys, he's worked really close with Zach Fisher, Liam Stocker and guys like that. Um, that's the importance of, the, I suppose, the list demographics and having a bit of a mix of young and old and still having wise heads around you. Yeah, definitely. I think it's all sort of coming up and like boiling up. I know, you know, people 
will say they'll laugh and say that that's been going for years but internally now you actually can see that there is some some really strong things starting to form while we're on the topic as well i want to talk about um zach williams now i've pumped him up enough um externally but i want to say it on now besides yourself one of the best players i've ever played with um can you give us a bit of a rundown of probably the impact that you feel that maybe Zach and Saad can have this year together? Um, obviously playing full halfback, they can play up on the wing, but also they can release Sam Doherty as well. Yeah. How have those guys been coming in um, and, and how do you feel that they can go this year? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. I think if you look at attacking halfbackers, if you had to ask us at the start of last year, who's the two attacking halfbackers you'd want in the comp, you'd probably say Saad and, yeah. and Zach Williams in terms of just like, just more that chaos and creativity. Yeah. Like I think Doc's a bit different to him. He's um he's just so smart and reads the game so well and he just everything's calculated there. They just get the ball and they just, you know, they just make it up. So um oh, I think what we lack last year is that those type of players, that real speed and creativity. Um mate, very different very different ends. Like they play very similar, they're very different sort of uh people, um, in a good way. And Zachy um surprised me. Like he's he's been training with the midfield. Um he's bloody tough and he's hard at it which, so hard which at I, it. I think everyone just appreciates like watching from afar like how good his skill was of halfback and his dash but um, even going forward like he's kicking goals and um, he's just a, he's one of those players that like at training he won't stand out then you get the match play and you're like yeah. far out he can play yeah. um, Sadi's just and then he got Sadi just made his runs like it looks like he's got better to get caught like do you know how Yaz when we'll yes. he just yeah. like he just runs looks like he's in second gear and someone comes up so he looks behind him and just goes, keeps going goes, goes to third <laughs> meanwhile I'm, I'm in six and still it's still going backwards from him yeah so nah they, they, they both had a massive impact and I'm pretty excited like, we've got a game against Oh, basically any game this year, but we got a game against Oppo coming up, and I'm yeah. just excited to see how much um, their creativity makes our team better. And I think one thing that you, I know that you love and you pride yourself on is stepping up in big games. Um, just knowing Zach and what he's done, something really stands out from him because that's where you get judged on the big stage. Is when he did his Achilles, I think it was in 2019. He came back and had literally not played a game the whole year. He played one game in the Neeful. And had, I think he would have had probably like 70 touches, but that doesn't say much. I think I had about four. And then after that, he went straight in and played a preliminary final against the Swans at the SCG. The bloke had about 10 tackles, played midfield, 30 touches. And you and I aren't probably breaking news here, but he's not the most fittest guy. He's not the guy that's going to win a 2K trial trial. You can sort of think, geez, he's, you know, he's this bloke, what's going on here? But as soon as he gets into the game, it's scary what he does. And, he's, and he plays well in big games. Yeah, I was actually at that game, the um, the prelim, and I remember thinking, um, oh, just how good he was at, at that time. And like you said, big games where it, where it counts. But yeah, no, you're right. He's um, yeah, he's not a two K specialist, but <laughs> hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Neither were you, um, mate. Last bit on on Carlton, I suppose, and we have touched on it a bit. But when is that stage now? It's you know, because I'm I'm a, I'm obviously friends with a lot of you guys, but I'm also now not in the game, so I can understand what it's like as a supporter um, and, you know, obviously players feel the frustration, supporters feel the frustration. But do you think now, like, it actually is building to something that's going to be pretty special? Yeah, look, I believe that. Um, but I'm also one not to um, – proof in the pudding, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, as much as you, you chat, and it's like anything, like a lot of people say they're going to do things, but until you actually do it, you can't actually judge. So, um from what I've seen and the work we've done and the group we've got, I feel like we've got a really self-driven group that's working really hard and it's probably the most impressed I've been this pre-season with the way guys returned. Um, they've got better. I think there's more pressure for spots, which is making people better. Yeah. Groups close, just even the hub last year, mate, it's really close. So I feel like we're in a really good position to attack the year um, and that's what excites me. Um, but like I said before, like we'll be judged on, on how we play and um, I'm really confident we're going to play well. And you see that now too, I think you've got to take confidence out of the last few years. Like Western Bulldogs, for example, come from nothing, get up, straight up to finals. Richmond the same, they were literally bottomed out, turn the club around. It actually doesn't take long. But in saying that, it takes a long time, but the change can be quick in yeah. terms of it can take a long time to build those fundamentals or you know the culture, whatever it is. But then the difference from, you know, 16th to 4th can actually be quite quick yeah no and I agree with you and once you get up there you want to start up there and that's where you have appreciation for teams like 
suppose Geelong, Richmond at the moment, yeah. um, Brisbane the last few years, Eagles, like their, their clubs are just have stayed up there and, and we, we want to be one of those clubs and um, and, that, and that's when you get the, the respect of the whole competition is um, everywhere you rock up and um, you know your worst is still a chance to win the game, um, mm. which is where we, we want to get to. Definitely. Mate, let's talk about you now. Um, this show is about you. Now, one thing that I'm really excited about that you're doing, um, and I think this can take you to another level if there even is one, but you're studying psychology. Talk me through this. How did this come about? Yeah, so I've sort of, um, well, like, like I said before, like I've had a, last few years, I've learned a lot about myself yep. and um, through a lot of sort of self-discovery things and you're, you're trying to find ways to make yourself better, you sort of start finding out what your passions are. And um, I've got a real, a real big passion just for, I suppose, getting the best out of myself, but also helping others be their best. Um, and through that, I just sort of realized the importance of, of the, I suppose the brain and, and the psychology of everything, and that's just in life or um, in sport. And um, yeah, so basically, once I, I finish this, uh, my degree in, in ag, um, ag business, I'm going to do a postgrad in, in psychology. Um, basically, just get a more understanding. But um, yeah, I've just started reading a fair few books about it. Um, did an online course um, that really um, made me learn a lot about myself. And um, from that, like this is a lot of this happened last year and the year before, but. Last year, like a lot of people asked me, like, "Oh, you must have had a tough year," and I actually say to them, "To be honest, last year was probably the best year of my life." Um, and they always say, "Oh, geez, it was, must have been tough going to the hub." But like, I wanted to put it in perspective, like, um, I was in a hub, still had a job, playing footy around my mates the whole time, while everyone else in Melbourne was in lockdown. So I had a different appreciation for mm. what we we're doing. But it also made me realise what's really important in life. And um, when I went back home, like, you got your, your friends, your family, um, your health, all this COVID stuff. Um, being set up, but also f- being passionate about what you want to do. Um, so that, that sort of took me on a journey of sort of, um, I suppose, learning a lot about myself. And um, I suppose that's what I did last year. I just learned a lot about myself. And now I've got a really good understanding of who I am as a person uh, and what I want to do going forward, which is, I think it's going to help my footy as well, just in terms of um, I've got passions outside of footy, which is um, I'm really enjoying. Was there a moment that sparked this or was it just a gradual sort of thing? Was there, was there a time when you were like, no, nah, fuck, you know, I'm not enjoying this. Maybe I was. you weren't as happy as what you were playing footy or was it just a gradual learning? And obviously you have mindfulness coaches and psychology um, psychologists at the club. Um, was there a specific thing that sort of triggered the, the learning of it? Yeah, I probably reflected a lot. I like to reflect a lot on sort of experiences. And um, I think like 2018, 2019, um, I was probably playing my best footy, but um, probably wasn't my happiest, I don't think. Um, and just a lot of stuff. Like I look back now and things I weren't getting right on my sleep, um, diet, looking after myself, having hobbies outside of footy, um, putting so much pressure on myself to play well. Um, and I credit Andrew Russell a lot when he came in. He taught me a lot about the sort of um, – just the sort of well-being space, sleep, and the importance of all things. But uh, he's someone, he's, he's a bit of a guru in his field. He, he knows so much. So I just picked his brains a lot. And he sort of, uh, I sort of went going down that path. And um, he, I just saw the impact he had on on people um, and his ability to, I suppose, be there as a, basically he tries to help people get better. Um, and I really enjoyed that. And um, yeah, so I, I, from that, I just kept reflecting. It was actually interesting. I was I was, um, it's a really good story. You'll like this one. But um, I was back home in the break and um, Loza, a uh, massage therapist, um, like she's an absolute legend. She's um, a superstar. Yeah, Shout she, out to Loza. Yeah, Loza, you're a legend if, you, if you're listening in. But um, she's like one of the best masseuses I've ever had. But we always chat about things. And um, she sent me this podcast and it was on, um, it was about Pete Carroll. Um, so I listened to it and just like, this really inspired me, the podcast. And anyway, from that, I realized he had it, um, had an online course um, with a, a high-performance psychologist I already followed on Twitter. Um, and from that, I just did a bit of research into it and then I ended up doing this course, which is called Compete to Create. Um, and basically, it's a self-discovery high-performance online course. And I was like, you know, I'll give it a crack. Like, I've got nothing to lose. I'm in a bit of lockdown. And from that, mate, like, just that's where I learned so much about myself and um, this high-performance space. I was like, I'm so intrigued in so this. So, what's in this? What's in this course? Like, what does it sort of teach you? Um, basically, Com- the- Compete to Create. Yeah. Um, oh, it just it teaches you really a lot of self-discovery. So you do so much reflection on who you are as a person and why you think a certain way. Um, you sort of peels back your values. 
Um, and then basically you come up with a bit of a philosophy and a vision for yourself of where you want to go. Um, then after that, it builds on a bit of well-being stuff and then real high-performance um, mindset principles. Basically, it's to get the best out of yourself. Um, and I was, I was doing it, mate. And like, you know, when you're doing uni sometimes, you're like, it's like a chore. This was like, I was coming home from training and I was buzzing to do it. Yeah. And that's when I started to realize like, geez, I found a bit of a passion here. Um, and then you combine that up like with, I suppose, the leadership space, the club, like, because um, we've had so much turnover, we've got so many young guys, like just really resonated with me how much enjoyment I get out of helping these young guys um, achieve their goals and, and helping um, them get there. Like, um, and I always say this, but when you, after a game, when you, you're working with a young guy and you win and you see them play well and the smile they get, mm. like that is, that's the best feeling. Like that's better than yourself playing well because you, you know how much, uh, how happy they are and they're really starting to find themselves. So yeah, just all that stuff sort of, made me reflect and be like yeah this is a bit of a passion of mine and um, something i'm going to keep sort of growing i love it man and i something that resonated with me just then um is is helping other people and like communicating with other people sharing the same interests as other people like with this podcast for example i get the pleasure of having guests like yourself on that have like incredible stories that i can learn something from and when i listen to that i'm learning that but then i'm then talking to someone else and being like oh i learned this from this person and then other people are listening to that and then they can learn from it. So in a way, the best part of the show for me sometimes is when someone will message me being like, fuck, I listened to this episode with Paddy Cripps, this course, Compete to Recreate. I went and did it. Fuck, that was the best thing in the world. And that's sort of a similar feeling I can imagine to what you would get helping out these young people. Um, the, the ability to sort of be able to pass messages on to them and then see them use them um, is, you know, it's, it's unforgettable. Yeah, it's awesome. And also look at it when I first got the club and the people that really helped me as well. And you have an appreciation for the guys that really helped you get there. And um, like, yeah, I just remember my first few years at the club and um, certain moments just stick out. Like Michael Jamison was so good to me um, off field and just been a, a mentor. Um, like Juddy's influence on me was huge. Uh, I've talked about Murph before, but his influence on me. So you have so many different influences. And then, um, like you said, you, you get so much knowledge from people and it's like, well, if this is making me better, how do I share it? And I think that's the beauty of podcasts, like the beauty of your podcast and the beauty of a lot of podcasts. Basically, it's people telling stories to help other people get better. And that's why I like listen to podcasts, listen, uh, read books. Is like basically people have learned things. They've got this knowledge and they want to share that to mm. other people to help them get better, um, which I find really interesting. I love it. One thing I've picked up lately, and I'm sure you'd be all over this, is in terms of mentors, right? Something I've picked up massively of late is a mentor doesn't have to be someone that teaches you what to do or tells you something that you can learn from. You can actually pick up mentors that teach you what not to do. Yeah. So like I've probably my whole life thought, oh, I need someone to show me how to do this. I need someone to show me how to do that. And then thought, fuck, there's people in my life that are actually mentors, but they're not not that they've done anything wrong by me, but you can actually learn like, fuck, they did this. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Have, have you had situations like that? Well, yeah, I think you, you see situations and, and you, once you start, like you said, you're working out what you want to be. Um, you can see, it not, might not be direct like mm. contact with you, but you can see what other people do and you're like, well, that's not something I want to do or be portrayed as. So, yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, mentoring, it's an interesting one. And I think... Um, I think it's just good to, to keep meeting people, like you said, meeting people um, and just asking questions and being curious about, I know, their story and how they got the best out of themselves because I, the more, like you said, you, you hear different people's stories and there's something you might grab from me, like, you know, I really like that. I'm going to like learn more about that mm. or, um, yeah, you just, you just start piecing the puzzle together, I reckon, uh, the more people you talk to and you learn new stuff. Um, you mentioned before reading books is a big one. What have you got for us in, in that space? We love a book recommendation on this show. We can't say we read them all, but we do love book recommendations. Yeah, I love like a lot of self-help books. I'm not yeah. a non- non-fiction. Um, you would have read Grit then because that was that was a Andrew Russell recommendation. Yeah, I've got that on my um, on my to-do list. Okay. Uh, I just finished um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Okay. That was really good. That's a really good self-help book. Um, True North, uh, that's a Ben Crow one. Um it's a leadership book. Um, I just uh, read The Happiest Man Alive. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Is that good? That was good. That's a really easy read. Um, that was really good. Just, it's basically just having an appreciation for what they went through, but how you can, um, I suppose, find gratitude and find purpose in the smallest things in life. And I think it's really important, mm. especially what we, I suppose, the whole world's gone through in the last year. Um, what's the other? Oh, The Resilience Project. Yeah. Um, 
I find that's that's a really good story. And if you're not a big reader, um, that's one recommendation recommendation I'd have for a really easy read. And you just read that book and you actually just smile. Like mm. um, so, that that'd be one um, that I that I'd really suggest. That's been a big one for me as well. I think a lot of people. We had Hugh on the show um, last year, and his story is just it's so relatable. And I think that I love people that tell their story but understand that it's not always going to be easy. I think one thing that Hugh does really well, and if you haven't read the the um, Resilience Project about gratitude, basically. Yeah. And you know with a lot of self-help books, it's sort of like do this and you'll live this enlightened life, but you've got to stick to this path. Yeah. I love people that understand that it's not just a linear path. Like you can be grateful, then you can be ungrateful, but you can go grateful again. Same as Emma Murray. We had her on the show the other day and she's probably one of my favorite um, podcasts I've ever done just because the fact that she gave so much incredible information but said, look, at the end of the day, you're going to have ups and downs and you're not going to be the most grateful person every day of the week, but it's about getting back to that as quick as you can. Yeah. But I want to talk to you about a moment and I hope that you remember this and I'm, I'm sure you will because it was a fair game. But I feel like from chatting to some of your friends um, and especially before you mentioned 2018, 2009, that time when you might not have been enjoying footy as much as you, um, you could have, there was a game at the end of the year and around this time you were just cooked, mentally exhausted, um, you were absolutely stuffed. And from good authority, that was a space you were in. The next day, you went out and had 39 kick four in probably one of your best games you ever played. From all reports, that was probably a big turning point to you to realise how important all this stuff was. Yeah, no, it's spot on. I um, Yeah, I, I've told the story to a few people and they laugh. They're like, oh, you couldn't have been feeling bad. But honestly, I was, um, I was so close to pulling out that week. I was just so, yeah, I just was in a good space mentally. It's probably the six weeks lead up of just I don't know it's like I think in that space we'd won three games out of 44 um you, you're trying to give so much and um yeah just you, you want to win basically and um and that was the week that um Bolts got got fired and um I had a really good relationship with Bolts um and yeah it was, it was a tough week but I was just mentally cooked and I remember like I had no energy I'd come home I was lethargic um, my partner Mon was just like you're just not yourself at the moment but I couldn't see it like when you're in a bit of a hole like that you just don't see you're just knackered and um, I remember going to Andrew Russell Jack and um, on Thursday I said mate I don't think I can play and he goes just give it another few days you see it goes and like had my head in the hands I couldn't even look him in the eye I was just like nearly a broken human mm. and anyway, I went around Bainey's house who's my manager uh, the night after just for a feed um, and I was sit- I remember sitting on his bench and he's like are you pumped for tomorrow I was like mate I just don't think I can do it eh? and he goes what do you mean like, I, was like, I just don't think I can play tomorrow and um, I was like, I was really close to pulling out and, like I'm not putting any mail on this story at all um, but yeah the next day I, I sort of woke up and I'm like alright um, I'm a leader of this footy club it's been a big change um, how I show up is going to be a reflection of the group uh, and I remember even driving to the game with Eddie had and, and I was cooked in the car but I was like alright made a thing to myself alright when I go to the chain rooms I'm going to be up and about I'm going to have energy and I'm just going to have fun playing today and um, yeah mate it was, it was a weird one like I was so mentally cooked and um, yeah I just had one of those games where I don't know I don't know how to explain it you just you get into that that state where you just just happens um, and it was, it was one of the it was just one of my happiest moments of footy. Not because I played well. It was more just I don't know. We just the the group like was just so pumped because we hadn't won much. Like it was just a special day. I remember the seeing the fans just smiling um, in the rooms. Like everyone was smiling. And then that night we actually went back um, to the club and um, we sat around a fire and had a few beers and everyone just had a chat. And it was just a real moment that I'll never forget. Where it's just everyone bonds and like, that's what footy's all about. I know you work so hard throughout the week and you said it before. Like you got to have some fun and. I really like enjoy getting around everyone having a beer after the game just relaxing and um yeah it was an awesome day and then even after that mate I, like I, that next week I just i was knackered like i uh, we had the buy the week you know we played the bulldogs and we had the buy the week after and i asked for a bit extra time just so i was cool went back to the farm well, i was sleeping 12 hours a night back on the farm i just absolutely knackered i actually broke my toe um in that game um so I played the Bulldogs a week after, got stepped on again, then I missed three weeks with, with a broken toe. So, um, yeah, a lot happened that time. But it sort of gave me a real appreciation for uh, the power of the mind and no matter what you're going through, um, that self-talk and you can get yourself in a state of mind of like you can, you can perform. Um, and like, like you said before, it really opened up that space of like, all right, how can I then get better through sort of stuff with the mind, um, show the importance to guys around with the mind, but then also the... the 
from a not from a performance point of view, but just the well-being side of like you got your physical health, you got your mental health, um, and making sure you're looking after. And at the time, I didn't know how much I was struggling, but people around me saw it, and that's I, I suppose you go in even deeper. It's like with the mental health side, you never know what people are going through, and a lot of people would experience that in the last sort of nine months. But just ring a mate and just ask you know mm. what i mean because and they might not uh like straight away they might not open up if you keep probing probe and then all of a sudden they might just open up to you so um yeah i'll probably dribble on a bit a bit long there but no, mate, um, it was, yeah. i was immersed in that it was fantastic and i it's you know you couldn't have answered it better um i never had that scenario play out in my mind but i totally understand and i get it because i think looking at it now going forward and as you said that would give you so much confidence knowing that no matter how you feel going into games you can still perform and i think i'm sure you would remember this but one thing i loved about bolts and i i feel like i actually feel like bolts was one of the best coaches i played under and i've said that a lot but he used to say this thing as soon as he got to the club and he'd be like we are training every day to go into a grand final where it's 30 degrees you're injured and you're going into each quarter time break one point down so like straight away, it was like, you're thinking about the hardest day of your life and it's going to be the hardest day of your life. You know how hard it's going to be. But when you get there, it'll probably be easier. And I remember thinking like that. I was like, fuck, why is he making this sound so hard? You know, like, shouldn't it be enjoyable? Like, you know, you get there having fun in the grand final. But he was setting it up as the worst day of your life because when you get there and it's not as bad as what you think it's going to be, it's actually easier. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the, the mental stuff, you know. Like he, yeah, I'm the same. I, I think Bolts did so much good for our club, and from where he took it to where it was at the end, like the standards he set, and um, as you would know, it was a huge change mm. when he he did rock up, and I suppose the discipline, the standards really increased dramatically. Um, but yeah, like all that stuff, just like he's just tapping into the mind, and um, and it's like imagery or things like that, like yeah. Um, yeah, they, they say your brain doesn't know. If you're thinking about something, your brain actually doesn't know if it's real or not. So, yeah, so if you're picturing yourself being there in that moment, and then when that day does come, you don't, you're don't you not overawed by it. You're like, I've been here before, I know what to do. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. He was, yeah, he was massively into that space. And I think that's where, you know, I grew a bit of a love for it and didn't understand how powerful it was until you really put all your eggs in, in that basket. Because like you said, you've got to believe what you're doing. Mate, you said you're passionate about this. We can obviously pick up on that. After study area, is there something that you want to get into? Is there, Have you thought about sort of sides in this space that you want to do? Yeah, there is. Like, And I'm sort of, as I'm learning, I'm sort of more ideas are going through my mind. I'd love to, basically, I know I want to help people get better. So in my mind, I'm like, well, how can I help share the knowledge that I've learned and have an impact on people around me? And that might not be directly, that might be creating a course or... Um, running a program that people can subscribe to and um, they learn basically basic tips about well-being high performance all these sort of different type of things um i don't really know where it's going to get to so really early days but um i know it'll be somewhere in that space uh, i really enjoy the leadership and culture space as well and sort of helping people grow um grow as a group and grow the connection and um i suppose get the best out of themselves so yeah, I've I've got a, I've got a lot of ideas written down that I'm sort of working working towards behind the scenes, and um, yeah, hopefully next year or two something something eventuates from that. Watch this space; I'm very excited for that. Um, moving past this, earlier you touched on mentors. Um, I know you've had some some rippers, as you said, Jamo, Michael Jamison, Chris Judd, um, Mark Murphy, to name a few. What are the things that you've picked up from these guys? Because I think they're obviously incredible work ethic you know talented but these guys have got you know they've got grit they've got everything what are the main things they've tried to pass on to you you think yeah i think the mentors like every single person you take bits and pieces from in a different way and um like i've had so many people influence me throughout my life um like jamo when i first got to the club he was one that really took me in and um and in off field point of view he really helped me like i i used to hate public speaking like i was shocking mate like if you heard me heard me talk i was like a two-stroke motor with a choke on <laughs> like well, i could not get a, i could not get a word out so he, he actually really helped me in that sort of space he used to sit down and do like mock interviews with me um yeah and just like i suppose he just helped me adjust to life from you know being 
um, just a general country kid coming to Melbourne to you get a kick and then you start getting recognised and something I really struggled with at the start. So he helped me with that and he's still someone I'm taught to all the time now. He's a legend, um, as you'd know. And you got someone like Juddy who's like, um, you know, I just idolised him growing up as a, as a massive Eagles fan. Like they were just the kings of the AFL, but kings of WA. Um, and he gave me about 20 minutes the first day we got there. I remember him sitting down in the locker room and gave me 20 minutes and I was just like, how good is this? Mm. Like, I was starstruck. But he's someone who just, from a footy point of view, he helped me with my standards and um, I suppose set little goals for me and um, we used to catch up, uh, I suppose, once a month for Brecky and he would just check in how I'm going. Used to touch with him and, and then he used to observe what he does, like his habits and how disciplined he was. Um, it, and then someone like Murph, um, I got so much appreciation for for Murph and, and what he went through in his time as captain and, yeah. and just like his loyalty. Like, I, I think, um, like, he's, first and foremost, he's an absolute superstar of a player and, like, he, you just got to look at his his years. Um, when I, before I got there, um, how good, like, he was he was the number one player in the comp there for, for a long time and even when I was there, like, he's someone that I love playing with because we really complimented each other playing in the midfield because he could run. He was skillful. <laughs> <laughs> um but even like his leadership, like he just ability to stay positive, have um, be grateful for the opportunity, but just just keep sticking it out. And he, I've bounced a lot of ideas off him, and he just the stuff he says just has has weight to it. Yeah. Then there's obviously off field, like his um like Matt Bain, my manager, like he's um yeah, I, I suppose I didn't have a, I didn't realize how good managers could be, but he's been a massive mentor for me. And just off field, like I'm really good mates with him now, and I'm sure he's your manager as well. And um look, he just put in front of the right people. He's someone that like we have a good like sort of mate working relationship. So we know when it's time to have fun, when it's no when it's time to um, have serious chats. And he's someone that gives me honest feedback, which I really appreciate. And that's on and off the field. Like um, he'll say, mate, yeah, you need to improve this area or you're doing this really well. And he's someone I really value. Um, and obviously your family, your parents, um, and 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 my partner mine, like that's the little support network and um, you don't realize how much they shape you until you reflect and yeah mm. yeah you, you know you, you start understanding what you like in life then you understand the upbringing you have and and the people you're around and how they influence your life so um yeah they've all had a massive impact on me and um there's heaps of others um but yeah you, you just you pick pieces pieces from different people and um yeah they, they just help you with their with their knowledge 100 man 100 um back to what you're saying about the standards with juddy now because i know that his were very high of what he did you know his pilates his diet all these things but i know yours are just as as high talk us through some of your diet changes you've had um you know how what are you what you're eating like these days everything you put into your body you you know you're working out what it is what it's good for you what it's doing what are some of those other little um nuances that you really break down and really go hard at yeah, I was um, I probably rolled into the club as you could uh, could confirm back. I was a bit around around the gills, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, it's a good learning curve. Like my first year, I floated um, floated in footy and probably in the pool as well. I was, I was definitely. <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring it up. You were gonna go there, were you? You were thick. Okay, you were you were thick. Yeah, I was a good country boy. Thick you know, bum. just you just get where you get where you yep. get in the country. Um, no, I was, look, it was a really good lesson. Like my first year I floated, um, I wasn't, I, I was just probably in awe in the whole system. Like you, you dream of it and you get in there, you're like, fuck, how good is this? Anyway, first year I had an RA bit, I broke my leg um, and I remember I had a DEXA skin in the year and I was high. Um, and I was like, you know what, what am I doing? Like I've got to actually make some changes. I remember chatting to Andrew Walker because he was like one of the most mm. leanest blokes. So he taught me his diet and what he did in the off season. And I went away that first year and, um, and just went, Probably to, probably to the extreme, but I'm glad I went to the extreme. Like I, I hardly ate a carb for, I don't know, 10 weeks. Um, got a sprints coach and I went from, I think I lost six kilos of fat in 10 weeks um, and put on like two kilos of muscle. So my body, whole body just changed and it set my whole whole year up. But it showed me the importance of um, like your body's your biggest tool and you gotta look after it. And Rob Wiley actually gave me an analogy. Um, big Rob, he's, he's a legend as you would know and um, still talk to him quite a bit, but um, he was talking about a racehorse um, and they're six to, 600 to 900 kilos and they get um, weighted with jockeys, like could be a kilo difference and that could decide the winner over a 3,200 3, meter race like the Melbourne Cup. He goes, well, you're a 70 to 110 kilo athlete, it depends on your, your size as a player. 
if you're carrying extra one kilo and you're running 12 to 15 k's, how much is that going to impact you? And that really just stuck in my brain. Like mm. I was never forget him saying that. So from that, I'm just yeah, I just I'm, I know with my body shape, like I'll put on weight quick, muscle or fat. So I've got to be really smart about what what weight I want to be at and um, what I eat. So um, I've got the luxury that if I go to the gym, I can put muscle on quick. But the, the side effect of that if I eat too much, I also blow up as well. So it's just finding that balance and. I know it's just something you always you keep changing and, and you find that works for you. Like even last year with my body, I tried to drop a bit of weight with my muscle to try and run better and I felt like I didn't help me as much as I thought it would. Um, so this year I've gone back to, you know, trying to be strong and really big in the contest and put my weight back on. So you're always trying to find ways to get better. And I think that's the beauty of like everything. You're always trying to find little ways to get better. And um, I think if you look at Juddy, like he always tried to find ways to get better. Um, I don't know, like, it's like he did, like didn't eat avocado or something for... Um, Korea. Yeah, yeah, I didn't eat anything over 97% fat, fat free. So you listen to things like that and there's a reason why he's so good is because he's always trying to find ways to get better. And um, yeah, so they're, they're little things I, I look at and um, yeah, diet's a big one. I think it's 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 a lesson that I've learned um, a lot in footy and I didn't learn it at the time, but I've taken it into life now is you can be told so many things um, that are good for you, but you've got to work out what's best for you yourself. You said then about the weight situation. You know, you dropped a bit of weight last year. You thought you'd be able to run better. But realistically, your game is being strong. Someone who sticks out in this space for me is Cade Simpson, for example. We always weighed the same amount of weight. I was always focused on putting on muscle. I was like, fuck, I've got to get bigger. Simo would just stay the same size. He knew what was good for him. And it took me to like my last year in footy to realize, mate, like you've been this size your whole life. You don't need to get bigger. Like you just need to get strong and be, you know, focus on what you're good at. But it really does take people that long to realize what they need to do. And that's not just in footy, that's in, you know, in work, in, in life and everything. How much have you learned that now? Thinking like, yes, I can be told a million things, but I need to work out what I'll take on board and other things I'll let funnel. Yeah, oh, I think that's the biggest thing. And um, like, it doesn't mean you, that's why you got to try, try things. Yeah, I mean, like never be afraid to try something new. Um, and then once you do it, just reflect, you know what I mean? Like, all right, did that work for me? If it did, why? Um, and then all right, I'll keep doing it. If it didn't, then say, look, it's good that I tried it, but it didn't work. And don't be flat that it didn't work. Like people ask me, are oh, you flat about last year? It's like, no, because I didn't go there. How would I know how good you could get? So um, yeah, you, you, you always got to try and find ways. Um, but that's a big one. And I think you got to you, you got to know yourself. That's like, that's the, that's the key. Like you got to know what works for you. Um, get information. Oh, I'll give this a try. No, it didn't work for me. No, I'll move on and keep going forward in, in the way I think. Yeah, I can best perform. Love it, man. I'm excited for, for your season this year to see what, what comes of that. Um, adversity, something that you face a lot of throughout the career, I suppose, being up and down in terms of, you know, being captain at such a young age, um, team that's not performing but still performing yourself up and down. A lot of people from the public would look at you and think, fuck, this has been an easy ride, you know, and this guy's come in and, um, you know, been a high pick, made captain of the club, um, you know, won BNFs, all these sort of things. How hard is it to deal with that each week? Because I think even looking back and giving more context, you know, you had this career that from the outside had seemed like it just been coming up the whole way. No one had sort of seen the work that had gone into it. And then I think in that uh, 29 season you were saying, I think there was a bit of a, you're injured and there was a bit of form and then quickly people had to jump on being like, oh no, what's going on with this bloke now? Why isn't he, he performing? How have you sort of dealt with that adversity? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Um, Oh, look, there's, there's always going to be challenges thrown at you. And um, I think uh, the first bit's just like um, getting used to, to, I suppose, being in the public eye. I found that really tough at the start, but um, that's where the beauty of it. You chat to people and um, I don't know, just people there to help. And then, yeah, it's been like, it has been tough. And um, I'm a big believer that like um, adversity builds your character. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the things that you go through, um, they're really challenging. Once you come out of them, like it really builds resilience in your character. Um, and yeah, like I've, I've been through a certain things and um, like mine on a life scale compared to other people's is minor, you know what I mean? Like this is all footy stuff. Mm. Like you got injuries, like I've broken my leg three times, um, probably because I don't have a calf muscle. <laughs> um, uh, like losing like a lot when we're in a winning business and um, yeah, you try and do everything right to, to get a... a a club going forward um then when you form like last year my form wasn't the best that i wanted but um one thing 
like you, like I said before, you reflect, you learn, and you grow. And even last year, like I didn't have my best year, but I hang my hat on that I had a crack every week, and um, that's all you can ask for. And I go to sleep at night after a game that, um, you know, I, I gave them my best effort. Um, I always give my best effort. Once the game finishes, you obviously sometimes going to be frustrated the way you play, but you move on. And that's the identity thing I said. Um, what I really learned from that Ben Crow thing is me as a person is so different to me as a, as a footballer. Um, so once I know that I've leave the field and, and I've given them all, that's me as a footballer done, that it's not going to change me as a person. And that's really helped me um, to really just keep balance in my life and um, stick true to who I am. And it also allows me to, when I do go on the field, I can play with aggression and that and mm. play on the edge and um, play my way knowing that's not actually me as a, as a person, if that sort of makes sense. Yeah, 100%. So, Separating um, the person from the persona. Yeah, exactly. How old were you when you became captain? Uh, I think I was 23. Uh, what was it, 20? Yeah, I think I was 23 turning 24. Yeah. it's pretty young. What have you learned from leadership when you first became captain to now? What have been the biggest changes? Yeah, there's been a lot. Um, I think same thing, learn a lot more about myself. Um, I think when you're captain at a young age, the hardest thing is setting the standard um, but still, I suppose, you still want to be close to the group. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to turn into this policeman-like person and say, mm. what are you doing going out in the piss? You know what I mean? Like, like what's this? And that's, you don't never want that. Like when you're a player, you don't want someone looking over your shoulder saying, what are you doing? Like you want to set the standard and there's going to be times when people mess up and you got to square them up and say, mate, that's not, that's not helping us or you. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing is building relationships, having sort of the care and empathy for people. Like, um, and sort of knowing that everyone's a bit different, you know what I mean? Like not everyone's going to be like me and um, what I do is not going to be what other people do. So you can't get frustrated if you see other people doing things. You try and help them as much as possible, um, but you also get appreciation for who they, who they are. Um, and then like just working with Doc, like we, I think we've both grown. Um, leadership group we've got at the moment, it's a really good group. I'm really mm. enjoying it. Like we've got a mix between young and old and me and Doc sort of in the middle, um, all very different. Um, and I'm actually loving it at the moment. Like it's actually, it's very good fun, the leadership meetings. Um, but I think that having care and, and empathy for people and um, knowing that you knowing that you got their back and no matter what they're going through, um, that um, you, you're there for them. Last point on this, I suppose, and there's, there's no hiding this fact, but you're obviously one of the biggest players in Melbourne. Um, it's not part of your nature to be, you know, like on social media, you're not like a loud person. How have you dealt with that? Because you're a big boy too. As you're growing every year. Um, <laughs> big for a midfielder. Big for a midfielder. It's hard to miss you out in social circles. That that must weigh on you a bit. You've seen like how many players these days are moving interstate. A lot of players going to Sydney um, to get away from it. Like how how do you deal with that? Does it play on your mind? Is it is it annoying? Is it hard? Oh, like it has its challenges, not going to lie. Um, I, I struggled, like, I, like I've said it before, I struggled a lot with it early in my career just because I wasn't, like I'm still, it's 19, 20. I just mm. felt like I was a normal 18-year-old, but people external put you up on this pedestal. And I'm just like, that's just not me. You know what I mean? I don't want to be there. I just want to go, I want to go to the pub and have a beer with the boys. I just want to have a beer and talk to them. Like, um, so it took me a while to get used to it, but <laughs> I'll use another thing. So Juddy once said to me, he goes, look, because I asked him about it, I was like, how'd you deal with it? Like, you were in Perth, that's like a fishbowl, and you're like the biggest dog in the AFL. Um, like, I'm nowhere near your level, but like, how'd you deal with it? And he's just like, well, the way I looked at it is like, can be not as good as I am, yep. and just play any any league I want, um, and just blend in, or I can love what I do, I'll be the best I can, and with that comes the recognition, and I just got to learn to deal with it. And I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> makes sense. So from that, I sort of, I, I changed my mindset around and said, you know what? Um, Take like, it as a, it's a blessing. Really. Yeah, like I, instead of um, neglecting and not wanting it to say, look, it's going to come, um, try and treat people with as much respect you can. And at the same time, um, learn the places you can go to, have a really good mates around you. Um, and never get caught up in the in the hype of the external of, of external stuff like people putting you up back to the identity thing. Like they see you as this this footy player. They put you up, but I, at the end of the day, I'm just Paddy Cripps who grew up in Northampton from a country town. I love my mates, love my family, um, and enjoy having a beer with them. And um, yeah, I just don't see myself as any different to that. And that's sort of helped me really, I suppose, stay 
true to who I am and stay level-headed. Um, and that's even like, even around the club now, I've got so many good people that I just love mixing with and hanging out with. And um, yeah, you can just be yourself around, which I, I love. Before we go, I've got a couple of tidbits for you. Um, I really like that word, I want to use it. Big brick se- uh, big season that's just happened. I need a tip for round one. Um, who's going to win? Oh, out of us and uh, you and the Tigers, yeah. Uh, mate, you gotta, I'm, I'm very confident, backer. Yeah. Good. Coming Good. in on it now. I was very confident going into round one once. I had three touches. <laughs> so I'm just saying that. Look. Uh, you you got to back yourself. <laughs> it's actually the funniest thing. It's quite funny, backer. Yeah. No, nah, it wasn't at the time. <laughs> Nah, I just hope there's crowds there, mate, to be honest. Yeah, I know. I want as many people there cheering. That's something I miss. But now nah, we'll back ourselves in. Obviously, got a lot of respect for them, for Richmond and what yeah. they've done. But yeah, we'll, we'll have a red hot crack, that's for sure. Just on this as well, and I, this wasn't actually going to be brought up, but you see the game trends going right at the moment, okay? And I, I love this space now because you looked at Hawthorne, it was like a, a kicking game. Collingwood was that boundary game. Richmond's come forward pressure game. And Clarko was in um, a couple of weeks ago and spoke about you know when you want to be good you've got to actually not try and do what the best teams are doing you've got to actually make up the next thing where do you think the game's going next like what's going to be the next game style that takes off do you think well hopefully ours yeah (laughs) Um, without giving away too much what like I, i feel i don't know if you can answer this but i feel it's going to be a bit more of a kicking game because if there's so much pressure you want to then go back to taking the ball off people but you would know a lot more about yeah. it yeah um look you never know i i think what the afl were trying to do is increase scoring mm. so i think the game's gonna get a lot quicker things can be better to watch um look i know we're gonna play a really attacking brand with the players we got in and the talent we have so um yeah i, I think i i hope i want to see as a, as a fan like take myself out away as a player i want to see more scoring and and um just more excitement um but I, I think the game's gonna gonna really speed up um and it'd be good to watch so in terms of the game style i think there's gonna be i don't think there's gonna be a certain way that's gonna mm, just quick yeah I, th- I think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a balance but I, I sort of love like when you you play like from watching because i haven't played any finals i just love when fo- finals in the day gets back to you know one-on-ones with yeah. your contest um so like i think we get one-on-ones inside Ford 50 with the guys we got again down there going really important. Um, but just, I just love the contest and that's why I love watching finals footy and that's why I want to play it so bad is um, just in the contest. And um, yeah, you, you just love seeing people stand up in big moments. 100%. I haven't even thought about this as well, but the fact of that rule change with the man on the mark now, how much is that going to change that inside 45 kick? Like you've got blokes like Zach Williams, Saad being able to just rip them through the corridor. Um, for people who don't know obviously you could move along the mark you used to be able to actually sit in the 45 yeah. it's going to be nearly undefendable yeah I think you've got to give something up like I, I yeah we, I, I'm interested to see what it's like I think it's going to quicken the game up a lot because um, you know like if someone like, wraps around the back for him or a save um, sometimes you just hand over and you, you just go on the mark and that guy takes you like, you're not allowed to do it anymore so what you have to say on the mark yeah, so once I say well, I go, say you, you take the mark I come up to you and you as I umpire says stand and I can't move until he calls play on. Yeah. Far out. So it's like, going to be a fair few. Yeah. Man. So, like, guys that are, like, quick and, like, guys like Murph, Fish, Saad, Williams, um, even Walshie, the guys that are real dynamic and just creative and just make it up, I reckon it's going to be exciting to watch players like that. Definitely. I think so. Watch your space. Groups. Um, group up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think we learned early days that sidestepping is not one of your <laughs> best assets. I nah, go straight through them, mate. Okay. Good. List management. This year, obviously, Saad, all these guys came in. How much impact do you have in that play? Now, I think, obviously, that's their role. But do they consult you about these things? Like, do you have a say and say, yeah, I want this guy or nah, I'd rather pass? I suppose they, they come to you, but the same thing, you back them in. Like they're, they're, they're the expert in their field, so you back them in um, to do what they do. It doesn't mean you don't throw ideas at them because mm-hmm. um, you always want to get better. Um, but then once you, once they say, oh, we're interested in this player, they say, can you chat to him? Like, I'd 100% chat to him. Slide like, in? Yeah, just in the DM. Right, you know? <laughs> G'day, guys. Rick Theory. How, 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 how do you go about it? Do you get their number? you call them or just slide in? Um, or just snap them? Yeah, just snap selfie them. snap. Snap them. You know, shirt <laughs> off. What's up? Hey, boys. <laughs> Come the bag, is that? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I've been getting these real weird Snapchats from Paddy Cripps, man. It's fucking weird. He just keeps saying, come to the baggage. <laughs> yeah, it's a true story. That's our Sardi character. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. Everyone's just not into the Snapchats. Um, okay. Two bits here. Who's the most difficult opponent you've ever had? Um, oh, I think... It- like the tag, the, the tag right. is that. Like yeah. Matty DeBoer is really good, just discipline. Um, but like I love that because like it's like a, yeah. just a one-on-one. Yeah, it's like yeah. all right, it's me versus him, and then it's a good way to reflect on your game and, and like review it because he's going to make you better. Because like he's he got me in 2019, and it's like all right, how do I then change my game next time I play him so I can be better? And I might not necessarily get as much of the ball as I would in other games because he's that discipline. Mm. But how can I manoeuvre things around a stoppage to take him to another person, or, or to make us then get a, yeah. to get the leg up and win the clearance? Which I felt like last year when we played him, I didn't have my, my best game, but I felt like around stoppages we were able to do that, which was good. Um, ben Jake was another one. I had him in twenty nineteen down at um, Hobart. He's really disciplined, a bit like the Matt DeBoer mold. Um, yeah, he was he was good. A player I really love playing against is Jack Steele. Um, he's really good at. He's just got. He's just a good, honest player. Um, also, does his own thing, and he, and he gets the he ball. You know what I mean? So I got a lot of respect for his game. Um, yeah, is, is that even worse though when you're playing a t- guys tagging you out and then they're running and getting their own kicks? Because you can, you know, if someone's staying with you the whole time and they're not really doing much, it's okay. But if someone's playing on you and then obviously going kicking goals, getting stats too, you're like, well, fuck, I've got to tighten up here as well. Yeah, look, like, as a tag, you always want to make the player accountable. Same thing when you get in tag you're like you rolls to beat him so yeah. I think every week you, you try and have a player that you, you try and match up on to beat him and that's sort of like the battle within the battle I enjoy that alright speaking of that who's your bunny nah I'm not I'm not, <laughs> I'm on, not, not going down this to, far nah <laughs> gotta give us one maybe even your, who's your bunny at training then in the club who do you love just coming to you at stuff as you're training Ed Kerno yeah <laughs> <laughs> nah I just did that to stir him up <laughs> <laughs> okay, fantastic. You're too modest to, to say that. Um, last but not least, have you had any good coach sprays in your career? Um, does Te- how does Teague go? Does he rip yeah. any? Yeah, I've had a, I've had a few off, off Teague. We, we actually got a rip in the last round against Brisbane last year, the midfield group. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I had to sanitize the face, all the midfielders after that. <laughs> nah, he's, Teague's given a few bolts to give me. A f- Everyone, you always get a spray here yeah. and there. It's part and parcel of the, of the gig. What are they for? Just not defensive running? Oh, no, nah, never that. <laughs> Two-way runner, you know, that bugger. Nah, um, I remember, I actually remember my first year, I was late to a meeting um, and Rob Wiley gave me a good spray. We were stuck at a tram, uh, not a tram, a train line in Essendon. Do you know the one? I think it's, is it Puckle Street? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. I got stuck there for like 10 minutes. I tried to train. I rocked up two minutes late, walked into the theatre. Anyway, I was thought I was like off the hook. Meeting ended. Rob's like, everyone sit down. And then he just sprayed me. I'll never, ever be late after that again, eh? But, yeah, that's, that's, probably, the, that's probably the biggest spray I've got, I reckon. We like it. There's nothing worse than being late. Mate, to finish up, um, two-part question. How important is the goal of winning a flag for you? And then I suppose in saying that as well, what's next? Oh, look, I, I want to win one. Like, I want to play finals. I want to win one without a doubt. And... Uh, yeah, I think we're starting to get a real good list profile that we can really attack that. Um, but also, like the like you said before, the process of building there from the ground up to that is enjoyable. Like I really enjoy like day to day going to the club trying to get better. So like, I want to get there, but I'm not losing sight of the fact that there's a lot of hard work to get there and to have fun getting there as well. That sort of makes sense. What's next? Um, oh, mate, I'll just... Yeah, just things that we've been talking about, like just um, really excited for this season, um, buzzing, um, really excited to lead this group with, with Doc and trying to achieve as much as we can um, this year and, and beyond. And um, yeah, just keep growing off field and um, yeah, to come to this podcast a few times with Dylan friends, you know, <laughs> number one in the nation. That's about it, mate. I've, yeah, lost, lost good at the moment. So um, yeah. Fantastic, you- mate. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having on the show. Second time. Can't thank you enough. I'm super excited for a big year for yourself, mate. Um, it's an honor to, to have you on, as I said. And I think just today just sums up, mate, as you as a person, as you said, setting that persona away from the person. Um, as good as you are as a player, you're in better bloke. Um, should be extremely proud of what you've been able to achieve thus far. And I'm very excited for what's next. So I'm just honored to call you a friend. And thanks again for your time. 
Thanks for having me back on. Um, yeah, I know it's from afar seeing what you're doing as well is inspiring. So keep, keep it up, big fella. Um, and to finish, mate, it's been real. It's, it's been, been good. good. <laughs> it just hasn't been real. Uh, <laughs> how's that, eh? <laughs> Still using it, I like it. <laughs> if that wasn't enough for you and you want even more, you're in luck. Dylan Friends is now on Patreon. Dylan Best Friends. An exclusive loyalty subscription featuring the debrief podcast of each episode and bonus Q&As from Patreon members like this. John, what's been the biggest hurdle you've had to overcome in your professional career? It's a deep uh, one, John. I'd say in whole, just moving away from friends and family, meeting new people and I suppose learning to love living over here. That's probably the biggest thing I'd say. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you'd like to learn more, you can head to patreon.com forward slash Dylan Friends or you can head to the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends Podcast. If you liked the show, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, leave a review, or even share with your friends. The show is produced by myself and Sam Bonza. Damon Jackman from Creative Edge Films is responsible for audio and visual production. The show is recorded at the Dylan Friends Studio in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch or suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends Podcast, please email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.